Welcome to Books and Sound. I'm your host, Don Beavers, and this episode contains a digitally remastered theatrical presentation of one of the great works of literature. Please remember to subscribe so that you can enjoy new episodes as they are released. This podcast is provided free and offered without commercial interruption. If you enjoy the episode, please leave us a positive review so that we can grow the podcast. Enjoy. Welcome to the marvelous and incredible world of adventure. I'm Tom Bosley, and I'll guide you into worlds you never dreamed of through the magic of radio. You know, there's an old saying that truth is stranger than fiction. And many men have returned from an adventure and related tales of such unbelievable truths that they've been accused of being liars. Well, our story today was written as fiction, yet it is so interwoven with the truth, you'll be hard put to decide what you believe and what you don't believe. Our adventure, King Solomon's Mines, was written by H. Ryder Haggard and adapted especially for the General Mills Radio Adventure Theater by Paul Tripp. I'll be back shortly with Act One. Today, the spotlight of the world glares brightly on the continent of Africa. Newspapers and television and radio tell us what happens there every day. Nothing is hidden. But 100 years ago, Africa was known as the Dark Continent a land which hid its secrets in the depths of a mysterious jungle. Only an explorer and big game hunter like Alan Quatermain could possibly find his way through the twisting jungle trails. Only through his sharp eyes can we experience the great adventure of King Solomon's Mines. I had just made camp at the edge of the jungle when two strangers approached. Alan Quatermain, I believe. I'm Sir Henry Curtis, and this is my friend, Captain John Good, late of the Royal Navy. Sir Henry and I have come to Africa to find his brother, George Curtis, who has not been heard from for three years. We've been told that you were the last white man to see him. Oh, indeed? Well, that's rather strange. Now, wait a moment. Sir Henry, did your brother have your deep-set gray eyes? Yes. His last letter, three years ago, mentioned he was off to make his fortune in a place called King Solomon's Mines. Ah, yes, 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 I remember it all. There is an old story that far into the mountains there is a mine where the ancient King Solomon acquired a treasure trove of diamonds. Your brother told me he would find it or die in the attempt. Well, is there such a place? Ah, who knows. But I did have a map of the supposed location. I gave your brother a copy. Off he went, and I've never seen him since. But you still have your map. Well, it must be somewhere among my papers in this trunk. Oh, yes, yes, here it is. Well, yes, it's a map, all right, but it seems to be marked out on a very old and odd piece of cloth. It was given me ten years ago by a Portuguese gentleman, Silvestre. We found him dying at the edge of the desert. In his delirium, he raved about unsuccessfully searching for the mines. In the last gasp of sanity, he gave me this map, saying it had belonged to another ancestor 300 years before. And this ancestor, another Sylvester, had seen the mines, 
but died in the mountains while trying to return. And you never looked for a mine yourself? Oh, sir, I had better things to do than to follow a dying man's rambling dream. <laughs> Mr. Quatermain, will you lead us to the mines? Sir, crossing an unknown desert under a blazing sun and climbing the highest mountains in Africa sounds more like suicide to me. Look, sir, I'm a rich man. I'll pay you well... And if we do find diamonds, you and John Good can share it all. But we are going, with you or without you. Very well, Sir Henry. I'll go. But more to save your skins than line my pockets. We'll need a week to organize the expedition. By the seventh day, we had hired enough porters, but still lacked a strong man to carry our guns. As I was loading our cartridge belts with bullets, a voice spoke behind us. Hail, O Maku Mazan, watcher in the night. Thy prayers are answered. I have come to carry the gun. And not so fast. Who are you? I am called Umbopa, a warrior of the Zulu nation. A warrior with a lying tongue? The Zulus are an ebony black people. Thou art pale-skinned. The light color of a dried leaf. Can you then also see the color of my heart? You are too bold. Go elsewhere and carry another man's burdens, not ours. Oh, I say, quarterman. Why not hire him? He looks strong. He's as tall and brawny as I. Aye, golden-bearded lord. We are men. You and I. Why does a warrior wish to be a porter like a woman? Because I have heard... You will cross a great desert and climb snow-covered mountains and seek a strange country. I say, let him come. He looks like a useful man. Very well, Sir Henry. It's your expedition. Thank you, Mbopa. You will come with us. I will serve you well. We checked for more than 500 miles before we came to the edge of the great desert. It was in the second week in May when we arrived, and the sun burned in the sky like a monstrous red-hot coal. Far in the distance, we could see the threatening outlines of the jagged Solomon Mountains, which we would have to climb if we ever lived through the desert. You know, Curtis, I've lived my life on the sea and never had an uncomfortable day. The sight of those swirling sand dunes makes me positively seasick. If I were you, I'd worry more about drinking water. Only one cup a day for each of us. According to the map, there is a water hole in the middle of the desert 60 miles away. If we find it, we will find it. Have no fear. We decided to travel at night and rest in the daytime. But resting under a hot sun was almost impossible. Battalions of flies attacked us and covered us in a black cloud. We traveled 60 miles, but no sign of the water hole. Quarterman, I'm afraid we've run out of water. The heat seems to have evaporated it. Then we shall all be dead before the moon rise tomorrow. struggled on as best we could, and when we could walk no longer, we fell on the sand like dead men. We slept, never expecting to ever wake up again, but when the sun came up the next morning, 
I felt my body being shaken. Marco Mazan. I do not choose to wake the other. I have searched in the night by moonlight. And I have found the water hole. Umbopa. I owe you an apology. You saved our lives. Thank me not for saving lives. I treasure. We filled our flasks with water and continued on our way across the desert. Somehow it felt easier now. And seven days later at noon, we reached the foothills of the mountains. We were too relieved to be frightened by the jagged rocks that seemed to tear into the sky. I shot an antelope, which Umbopa roasted over a fire. We gorged ourselves. And when finally we felt strong enough, we started to climb the mountains. The higher we climbed, the colder it grew. Oh, courage. Next time we go on an expedition, let's head for the North Pole. Probably much warmer there. By the time we had reached halfway up the mountain, the sun set and we thought we would freeze to death. But luckily, the sharp-eyed Umbapa saved our lives again. Behold, there is a cave here. Let us crawl into it and sleep safely through the night. We huddled together to be warm and slept deeply. When morning came and I awoke, I accidentally flung my arm outward and touched a cold hand. The strange figure of an oddly dressed man, his head resting on his knees. Sir Henry. Uh, Captain Gordon. Uh, wake up, wake up. Look. Oh, is it my brother who sits there? Did? Oh, I hardly think so, Curtis. Your brother did not wear clothes in the style of 300 years ago. Well, then, who can it be? Can't you guess? It's the old Sylvester whose 300-year-old map we have been following. Good the freezing cold has preserved his body all these years. And look at that pointed bone in his hand. At the wound in his forearm. He drew our map with his blood. God rest his soul. We paid our respects to the gallant old gentleman and climbed to the top of the mountain. Look, Quatermain, we're in luck. The mountain slopes away gently on its other side and it's covered with tall grass. Ha! I've never seen anything more beautiful or peaceful in my life. Look, uh, what the blazes! Someone just threw that spear at me. A group of armed warriors suddenly burst from behind the trees and threatened us with long, sharp spears. Despite my fears for our lives, I noticed that these men were tall and tan-colored, all of them resembling our friend Umbopa. And there was no time to think any more about that. The strangers advanced, pointing their spears at us. The guns we aimed at them did not frighten them. Evidently, they had never seen a rifle before. It looked like curtains for us. Strangers, who are you? Where do you come from? We are visitors, old man. From the greatest, brightest star in the sky that shines at night. You have offended us. You shall be punished. 
Be merciful, I beg of you. We did not know you were men of such great importance. My little exaggeration having seemed to work, I decided to embroider a bit more. A wicked-looking buzzard had just landed on a treetop. Look you upon that bird who comes only when death is near. My magic tube will speak the words of death to him, and he will scavenge no more. Shall my magic tube speak death to you, old man, if you do not obey us? We will obey. Oh, children from the great star. It is well. Now tell us who you are. I am Infadus, general of the army of Twala, king of Lukuana. Twala the one-eyed. Twala the terrible... Then let us hasten to meet him. Our friends have marched through the burning hell of the desert and climbed the sharp teeth of the mountain. What other dangers must they face? King Twala the Terrible? I must say he doesn't sound very friendly. Well, we'll find out when I return shortly with that, too. The General Mills Radio Adventure Theater will return shortly. What is an adventure? A question for which men sometimes give their lives to find the answer. Was there actually a diamond mine where King Solomon acquired his wealth so many thousands of years ago? Is the answer yes, no, or death? Soon we came to the great city of Lu. The gates swung open. And we entered the great clearing was encircled by thousands of fierce armed warriors with great feathered headdresses which swayed in the breeze. There appeared out of a great thatched house a gigantic figure of a man dressed in a magnificent tiger skin. He had one gleaming, baleful eye. Where the second eye should have been was a deep hollow. It was the cruelest face I'd ever seen. By his side hobbled a tiny, monkey-like woman... A frightening bundle of rags. Let the strangers approach my royal presence. White people, whence come you? What seek you? Greeting, Twala, king of the Kukwanas. We come from the stars. We come to see this land. You come from afar to see a little thing. They die, O king. They seek the white shining stone of the ancient king. <laughs> they die. The monkey-like woman now sprang in front of us. Gagula, the royal sorceress of King Twala, a hideous-looking creature with a face no bigger than a child's, but covered with countless deep and yellow wrinkles. Heaven only knows how old she was. What say you to Gagula's words? Do you seek the bright stones? We have heard of them. 
and would see them. If you truly come from the stars, that man with you, does he also come from the stars? By George Quatermain, he's pointing at Umbopa. It is true, O King. There are people of your color who come from the heavens above as well. Beware, O Twara, and heed what I prophesy. Kill, and you shall live. The white strangers. They are off no matter. But the brown man, who looked like a man of the Kukwana, him you must kill. Or you die. His life for you. Quarterman, they mean to kill you, Bopa. Calmly does it, Sir Henry. Let us all aim our guns at the king's heart. It is for tubes, O king. They are instruments of magic that speak with the voice of death. Ah, lies! Oh, white man, speak the truth, O king. Myself. I saw magic tube speak death to a great bird of prey. In Vados, take the strangers and make them comfortable in thy house. They have come far. Now let them rest. And tomorrow at noon we shall meet again at the great witch hunt. Oh, visitors from the stars, you are welcome. In the land of Kukwanas. Farewell. And fear not. No harm shall come to you here. I would sooner trust a pair of cobras than Trala and Gagula. I thank my three friends for my life. I shall repay. No need, my friend. I say I shall repay. I shall repay a million times. No. What do you suppose you meant by that? I haven't the faintest notion. Let's go to the house of Infados and rest. Tomorrow sounds like a big day. It was a relief to be under a roof again after so many months in open country. Infados did his best to make us comfortable. Let my house be your house, O lords, from afar. And let not the rudeness of Twala make you think that we Kukwanas are savages like our cruel king. But what is this uh, witch hunt to which we've been invited? Uh, another of Twala's cruelties. No man's life will be safe. Twala fears his people will someday rebel against him. And thus, once a month... He orders Gagula to smell out all men who are a threat to him. And then he has them killed. You mean the accused men are killed without trial by jury? I know not the meaning of these strange words. But this I do know. Tomorrow I too may be killed. I am Twala's half-brother. I am too of royal blood. Then why not get rid of Twala and rule in his stead? Alas, I am too old. And if Twala died, he would be succeeded by his son, Skraga, whose heart is blacker than his father's. Is there no one else? There is one. But alas, I fear he is dead. 
And, uh, once our rightful king... This is all very confusing, Infados. What happened to all these people? Why are they dead? Uh, ask Twala. Imotu was his twin brother and ruled as a just and gentle king. But Twala plotted against him and had him killed. Imotu's wife fled the country with her infant son, Ignosi. They were never heard of again. If the infant Ignosi had survived, he would now be our rightful king instead of the monster Twala. But alas, he, he is dead. How do you know Ignosi is dead? What mean you, Umbopa? Listen to me, and I will tell you a story. You say her mother and her child fled from the land of the Kukwanas. It was said they died upon the mountain. Is it not so? It is truly so. Not truly so. First they crossed the mountain, then the mother died. But the son, Ignosi, lived. He was found and adopted by a tribe of Zulu and grew up to be a great warrior for years. He planned how he might return to Kukwanaland and become its rightful king. For long years, he waited for the right time to come. Then, at last, he met certain white men, and with them he crossed the desert and climbed the snow-clad mountain and came home at last to his native land. What mad talk is this? It is the truth, I tell. For I am Ignosi, rightful king of the Kukwanas. Are you then my beloved nephew, Ignosi, whom I have mourned for dead these many years? Even so, my uncle. Oh, I bow to thee as my true and rightful king. Well, I'm speechless. Congratulations. Twala must go then. For now you have the rightful king to take his place. I, I will go now and speak to my fellow generals. And we will raise a rebellion against Twala. We can muster 10,000 soldiers to Twala's 20,000. But with right on our side, we will conquer. But wait. Why do you hesitate, Infados? Do you not believe I am Ignosi? I believe. But will the others? Ah. We need a sign. You are wise. We must think of a sign. Well, no, I've just thought of something. Would an eclipse of the sun be an impressive enough sign? Have you gone out of your mind, Captain Good? No, but I seem to remember reading in my almanac that an eclipse was due to occur in Africa about this time of year. Now, wait a minute. I have the almanac in my pocket somewhere. Navy man is never without one. And uh, what's today's date? Uh, I believe it's uh, July 19th. Splendid. Listen to this. On July 20th at half past noon, an eclipse of the sun will occur in longitude 60 and latitude 120. Well, we're in the right spot. Yes. 
In Fardus, you shall have your sign tomorrow. One half hour after the witch hunt starts. The next day, just before noon, we arrived at the great clearing. It was closely packed with some 20,000 warriors. Twala signaled. Ten giant warriors with great sharp spears took their places behind Gagula, who carried a stick with a rattling gourd at one end. Gagula scampered along the ranks of the warriors, her fierce eyes seeking out her first victim. And then suddenly she stopped in front of a trembling soldier and shook her wand in his face. Quartermain, what time is it? Twenty-five minutes past twelve. Five more minutes to the eclipse. Oh, not a single cloud in the sky. Look, Quartermain. Gagula is working her way toward us. And I don't think it's a mistake. Better get our guns ready. Gagula stood directly in front of us. The ten executioners behind her. She came up to me, shook her head and laughed. She stared at Sir Henry and shook her head. She stepped up to Captain Good and shook her head. And then she stopped in front of Umbopa. Or rather, Ignosi. No, you will not kill our servant. You, Twana, shall die first. White strangers, you go too far. I say to my soldiers, kill. Then you, Twana, shall also be killed. Let all my warriors surround the white men and kill them. Uh, how shall you kill me when 20,000 of my men Stand between us. Wait. Look at the sun. We looked. A fingernail of darkness was creeping over the edge of the sun. The almanac had been right. Look, O king. You have offended us, and now we will punish you. Look at the sun. See how night is swallowing it. Swallowing it up to darkness. Did I listen to the lying white man? It will pass. It will pass. I, the night, will pass over the sun. And it shall shine no more. Ignosi, it is your uncle, Infadus. Dusk is falling. Do you and your white friends steal away now to the hill outside the city? Ten thousand loyal soldiers wait there to fight for your throne. Come, I will lead you there. Give us back our sun, strangers from the stars, and I will spare your lives. So late, Twala! So late! You are Three men set out to find a missing person. Instead of finding him, they find themselves involved in a battle for a man's throne. The hours before a battle are strange ones, filled with wild dreams and questions. Who will live to see another day? It's also a time of waiting. But you won't have to wait long. Act three will be here shortly. General Mills Radio Adventure Theater will return shortly. Frankenberry. 
A small army has been known to defeat a great army, but great armies have been known to destroy small armies. So what is the secret of victory? Bravery? Who knows? History doesn't play by any set of rules. With each battle, it throws a new set of dice. What are the odds? Twala's 20,000 warriors against Alan Quatermain's 10,000. Are the odds too great? We did not sleep that night. There was too much to do. Since we were camped on a hill, we had the advantage. We ordered huge boulders rolled to the top of the hill. Twala's men would be hard put to reach the top of our hill. We divided the men into three columns. Captain Good commanded on the left, I on the right, and Ignosi and Sir Henry, our best fighters, were in charge of the center. Here they would take the heaviest thrust of the battle. The Grey Regiment, the bravest men in Kukwana land, had volunteered for this position. Twala and his army were marching toward us. The rising sun made the forest of spears sparkle so brightly the glare hurt my eyes. And frankly, I was also frightened. Hunting is my business, not war. Twala came to a halt and raised his hand, which held a gigantic battle axe. His army stopped. There was a deadly silence. White strangers, I offer you mercy. Give up your servant who calls himself a king, and I will spare your life. Take a shot over him, Quatermain. That's our answer. If that is your answer, then I will reward you all with a gift. Death! The enemy split in half, one part attacking on our left, the other on our right. The wily Twala was trying to outflank us. We ordered the boulders roll down on the attackers. But when our supply ran out, we engaged in hand-to-hand combat. All through the day, the fierce battle raged. First we forced the attackers down the hill, then they regrouped and pushed us up the hill. Back and forth flew the fortunes of war. And all this time, the Grey Regiment stood quietly in the center, never raising a hand. Their leaders, Curtis and Ignosi, were calmly waiting for the right moment to strike. The sun was low in the sky when the moment came. Suddenly, caught by surprise, the survivors of Thomas' army ran headlong from the fight. The Grey Regiment pursued and attacked them as they ran. And just as Twilight was about to fall, the battle ended. When we awoke the next morning, a sad stillness hovered over yesterday's battleground. Surrounded by his guard, Ignosi, the new king, came to greet us. Hail, my brother. Hail, my friends. Hail, O king. It is time I repaid my debt to you. You owe us nothing. Yet will I still repay. Did I not promise you the white stones? You shall have them. We must speak to the witch, Gaguda. For only she knows the secret place where they may be found. I I shall take them to the secret place. And they shall curse the day they enter. For their precious white stone may be found only in the bony fingers of death. 
white bed? Are you prepared to enter the place of death? Ready. We looked where Gagula waited for us. There was a blank stone wall behind her. <laughs> the way is here, my lord. I see no door. Do not jest with us. I do not jest. See, my fingers touch the secret place. <laughs> and suddenly the wall behind her rose to the roof of the cave. A giant door weighing tons of stone. <laughs> enter, enter, white man from the stars. Here, light this other lamp, and behold, the stones you seek. Open the treasure chest and feast your eyes. Good Lord, I can't believe it. Seven great chests filled to the brim with diamonds. <laughs> Gather them up in your hands. Eat them. Drink them. Choke on them. Diamonds worth millions of pounds. We are surely the richest men in the world. Stop her. Gagula's escaping. No, you don't, Gagula. You stay with us. I will go. And you will stay. She broke away from me and tried to scramble through the descending stone door. I will not die. Gagula struggled to escape the door, which was pressing down on her. But it was too late. Ah! Well, gentlemen, Gagula has had the last laugh. We're trapped. Nonsense. All we have to do is find the secret lever and raise the door again. Only Gagula knew where it was, and she lies crushed beneath the stone door. Gentlemen, we may as well face it. We are buried alive. Just then, our lamps fluttered out. We were trapped in the darkness of a living tomb. Gagula had had her revenge. Well, I won't give up that easily. How many matches have we left? Three. All right, strike one. Let's see the lay of the land. Well, I, uh, I don't see any tunnels leading out. Oh, wait a moment. Don't you notice the flame flickering away from us? There must be a draft coming from somewhere behind us. And let's turn around and follow it. Perhaps it'll lead us to some sort of opening. Ooh, ha! The match is burnt out. We'll strike another. Quickly, let's follow the draft of air. Oh, blast. There goes the second match. Strike another. No, 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 it's our last. We'd better save it. Besides, the blast of air is getting stronger. Oh. Uh, uh, what was that? Well, I, uh, I tripped over something. Uh, we groped in the darkness for the place where good had fallen. Our hands traced the outline of something round. Had we found a trap door? I uh, feel an iron ring in the center. That's what I probably tripped over. Uh, let's pull at it. All right. All right. Uh, uh, come on. Uh, it's coming. Uh, keep tugging. Uh, it's open. Uh, feel that blast of air? All right. Light the last match, Kudamin. Right. Uh, look. A stone stairway leading down. Come on, let's go. Oh, there's a light straight ahead. Yes. Yeah. The light grew brighter and brighter as we approached it. Now we could see blue sky. We crawled through the hole through which the light was coming. And as we stood up, we saw Infantos nervously pacing up and down. He caught sight of us. Oh, oh, my lords, my lords, you live. You have come back from the dead. 
Blessed be the kind spirits that dwell in the sky. What's left to tell? We bade farewell to Ignosi, who supplied us with men to guide us back to the outside world. Then, wonder of wonders, when we approached an oasis on the third day, we saw a white man with an enormous black beard limping towards us. It was Sir Henry's long-lost brother. It seems that two years before, on his way to King Solomon's Mountains, a boulder had crushed his leg. The leg mended very slowly. He had lived on the oasis for two years, waiting to be rescued. Well, Curtis, it's been quite an adventure. You found your brother. We helped Umbopa regain his rightful throne. Yes, but we don't have a single diamond to prove we found King Solomon's mind. Now, wait a moment. I just remembered something. When we discovered that blessed draft of fresh air in the cave, just as we started to follow it, I... Scooped up a handful of diamonds. What? And stuck them in the pocket of my jacket. <laughs> Rather silly, wasn't it? Oh, silly, my foot. Do you still have that jacket? Well, let's see. Ah, yes. Here it is. Ha-ha! The diamonds, gentlemen. Look! Well, Quarterman, you've enough diamonds there to make you and Captain Good rich for life. I want none of it. Well, we'll share it with your brother. Is that all right with you, Captain? Well, by all means. And uh, what was it Shakespeare said? All's well that ends well. Well, as I said before, truth is stranger than fiction. But in our story, truth was also slower than fiction. Nobody before had ever suspected that diamonds were to be found in Africa. Ten years after this story was written, the Kimberley Mines were discovered in South Africa, the greatest diamond mine in the world. Out of fantasy had emerged reality. I'll be back shortly. Adventure is the act of looking for something and perhaps finding it. The thrill is in the search. Now, you don't have to go to Africa to seek adventure. You don't have to go to the moon. Life is the adventure around you. Every day is an adventure. For me, bringing you these tales is an adventure in itself. An adventure we enjoy sharing with you. This is... South Africa Dabra... Our cast included Ralph Bell, Court Benson, William Griffiths, and Ian Martin. The entire production was under the direction of Hyman Brown. This is Tom Bosley inviting you to return to the General Mills Radio Adventure Theater for another exciting tale you can hear through the magic of radio. The General Mills Radio Adventure Theater is recommended by NEA, the National Education Association. (laughs) 